With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm gonna do, cause you don't ever give me a face shake. You know that? So I'm gonna go and let you talk to Victor Ortiz, alright? I'm through. They put somebody else up and give me an interview. What talk are to you Victor talking Ortiz. about? You, what are you, you talking heard about? him. You never give me a face shake. HBO needs to fire you. You don't know about boxing. You ain't You're you not I wish I was 50 years younger you and I'd kick your ass. The modern day odd couple, Defoe and Louie, are on now. It is, of course, the Defoe Show. And in honor of the upcoming celebration in Las Vegas, the 70th birthday party, which a uh, few listeners uh, I know of uh, have actually uh, signed up to go. Now, this is not a station event, and we do, uh, once again, uh, Libby, I hate to waste uh, airtime, valuable airtime on the disclaimer, right? But uh, just like uh, just like in the Tom Selleck reverse mortgage ad, uh, did you see the writing on the screen there? It's worse than that bottom line on the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles uh, eye test. Where you can't tell, are those O's or Q's? I'm not sure, right? As you're trying to slip the lady at 20, maybe you have her overlook the fact that you're blind as a bat. Exactly. Hey, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, here's a license. All right, welcome back to the show. Great to have you guys with us. In a few minutes here, uh, and I'm going to say about 10 minutes from now, John Feinstein, always fascinating, going to join us here on an Even Keel Wednesday, Even Keel Fish Shack. Uh, wow, they were rocking it last night. I don't know if Jersey went there with Karen. But uh, they were talking about those uh, grilled oysters. I think Karen is an oyster person. Now, Jersey, I think, uh, as they say, he, he likes it raw. So, And those were delicious, so whatever they had there. So we'll talk to the Gambling Gourmet later on. And uh, no doubt he'll have an allusion to what's happening at the Evenkill Fish Shack. ALT Defoe Show brought to you by Altitude International. Now, I don't know. What do you think the uh, common opinion is of Brent Musburger? I mean, like him or not, you have to respect what he's done in his career. And he's still doing it. And then... He has this bold coming out party where he, he just denounces the rest of life. I've often said this. If they're simulcasting in hell, then I don't mind. You know, when Judgment Day comes, I'll accept whatever the uh, disposition is. But if I ran into Musburger there, I, I would have to. I mean, I would think there may uh, even become some kind of a physical altercation, no? Because of the Bury America campaign. Now, I respect <laughs> the fact that he got involved with this Vegas Sports Information Network. But here was, and I didn't even want to get into this yesterday on the show, Lou, because, you know, we've been suffering from Sisyphus Syndrome with yes. the Marlins, and they were once again. We'll have to check with one of our guys on this. How many times have they been one game away from 500 this year? Because I've mentioned this so many times, Lou, it has to be at least a half a dozen, no? This was after this uh, plat pratfall they did uh, coming out of the shoot there, going one and six, and you're thinking, oh, my God, could we have been more wrong about what was going to happen this year? I felt sick for the people that deal Volkswagen in a run for 71. All right, so uh, I'm sitting on a throne yesterday. Not that that's a particularly flattering image. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's ugliness, I can assure you. 
It really is at this stage of my life, speaking of 70, which uh, you had the disclaimer because we invited people to go with us to Las Vegas, and some people have signed up, but it's all on your dime. This has nothing to do with the radio station. We're going to be out there July 2nd through the 6th celebrating uh, what is the geezers at Caesars uh, type of birthday, 70 years old, and, and that's why we're paying tribute lately on the show to the great Larry Merchant. Two fighters at a crossroads. <laughs> why don't you begin every Luby's Law with that? There I thought go. about stealing that line. I wish I had thought about it right in the first it. place. All right, this from uh, Musburger's uh, Vegas Sports Information Network regarding yesterday's Marlins game. Uh, the headline being, Good Filling Bout Marlins. Good Filling, P-H, Bout Marlins. And it says, and this is all sound logic, and this is what scares me about the wave of sports gambling that's taking place, especially with young people. Am I, like, turning into a guy that should be a spokesman for Gamblers Anonymous all of a sudden yes. here, Luby? I mean, yes. are we talking GA here? Yes. All right, but this is interesting because if you're a sports fan, the analysis, and, and this is where it's all going, is uh, very acute. I mean, and you would think that the guy would be right once in a while. <laughs> the Phillies have been a different team home to road this season. They're a solid 15-10 and 10 in South Philly, were 8-14 and 14 on the road entering their series against the Marlins which, of course, they had uh, lost the first game. And this guy, uh, Greg Peterson from the Vegas Network, is talking about last night's game. And uh, they are going to look to Vince Velasquez uh, to start on uh, Tuesday. The Phillies have used Velasquez both as a starter and a reliever, and in nine total appearances, he's 1-0 with a 3.52 ERA. But his career worse are 5.6 walks, 2.1 home runs given up per nine innings. Miami starter Sandy Alcantara goes on to talk about Alcantara and how great he is, uh, and it turns out Velasquez is horrible, 0-4, 6.49 ERA in eight starts against Miami. And the uh, Phillies uh, were going to be hard-pressed to win this game. Uh, what he left out is that the guy's been on fire lately. Oh, no, he, he did include this, but uh, no, no mention of it at all, that, that in the last month this guy is uh, looking like Bob Gibson, Vince Velasquez, who shuts down the Marlins last night. He recommends you play the Marlins and lay 125 to win 100. Was that not the kiss of death right there? Yes. Do you think? Yeah. That was, I, mean, I, I, I mean, the fact that you even looked it up, the minute you saw it, I would have just shaken my head. They're a disaster. I, I, I knew we were in a jackpot last night. Now, we'll always respect Brent for the fact that he obviously had the over in that Jerry Faust bludgeoning game that Miami administered. <laughs> When Aaron Parsegian was crying like a baby, praying to touch down Jesus, that Jimmy would just stop the onslaught. Right? Parsegian was an embarrassment. A very distinguished guy as a head coach, was he not? Aaron Parsegian, the name itself uh, kind of resonates with uh, you know, a certain amount of dignity, does it not? The great Aaron Parsegian. Just rolls off your lips, right? Armenian name, Aaron Parsegian. And yet, when he was a color analyst, man, I mean, uh, talk about uh, homerism and favoritism. Uh, was he not a little bit biased towards the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame? Oh, they're doing this. It's a, it's a tragedy. It's a catastrophe. And meanwhile, Brent is like, come on, Jimmy. If Notre Dame's only going to put up three with this high school coach they hired, uh, I need you to score 56. Keep throwing the ball, Jimmy. Keep throwing the ball. Those were the early indicators that uh, Brent was a stone degenerate. Uh, unfortunately, whoever he has handicapping for him, uh, whenever I at least uh, take a look at their logic, doesn't that all make perfect sense, right? Velasquez stinks against the Marlins. Alcantara's great against the Phillies. Alcantara was. I mean, Alcantara did his job. They just can't friggin' score whenever he's on the mound. 
Jacob DeGrom syndrome, speaking of Sisyphus. All right, so we're now two games under 500. They'll do it again tonight. Nola on the hill. Uh, we're going to come back in just a moment oh, with the great John Feinstein. That's up next here on 940 Wins, 1230 The Zone, and around the world on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Jeff DeForest. He is Mike Luby Lubitz. Back in a moment with John Feinstein, the brilliant author. Now that. The time. He is great on the air, too. It's uh, 814. Start your day with a cup of Defo. We now return to the Defo Show. Kind of summarizes our run here on 940 wins and 1230 <laughs> zone. Not stupid. We're smart. We want respect. That's why we bring on gentlemen like this to add a dose of intellect to an otherwise bozoic show. Uh, I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. 940 wins, 1230 zone around the world. On the iHeartRadio app, uh, this gentleman authored so much brilliance when it comes to the sporting world. We welcome to the show John Feinstein, season on the brink. Uh, one of my good friends, Jim Dunn, I posted a little thing on social media, John, and I said that you were going to be on a show, teasing the uh, show today. And my good friend Jim Dunn of uh, automotive fame says, uh, great book about one of my favorite coaches, season on the brink. And I thought th- that could be biographical for us here on the program, but you've written so much great stuff. First of all, how are you, John? Now, what aren't you doing? We may as well get into your projects here uh, right away because uh, you're a lot like Armin Katayan uh, when he comes on the show. always surprises us that he's involved in like 30 different things. But uh, you, you keep busy, my friend. What, what, what are you working on of late? Well, I, I, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Luby. It's good to talk morning, to you guys. Man. Thank you for having me on. And if I'm bringing a dose of intellect to the show, you really are in trouble. I will say that. <laughs> I can assure you that's a fact, my it's friend. True. <laughs> but uh, no I, 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 I'm, uh, I, I'm actually uh, finishing a, a project right now that I've been working on for 18 months. Uh, and wow. It's ironic. Sorry. I said, "Wow! I mean, that's impressive. That's impressive. We, we can't concentrate well, it, for 18 it, it, minutes it, it, here." It's a very—it's probably the most uh, exciting and daunting book I've ever worked on. It's on race and wow. sports, and I started it, like I said, 18 months ago, before George Floyd's murder. Of course, the anniversary of his death was yesterday, um, and and I, I've felt for years that race has been the elephant in the room uh, in sports and in society, as we have certainly seen in the last year. Um, and I've talked to probably about 100 people, um, going back to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the early black quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, some of the great uh, black coaches in college basketball and, and, and the NBA. And it's been a fascinating project. I, I won't bore you guys with it because I know you, you, you didn't ask me to come on this morning to talk about a book that's six months away from publication. But I will say this, I've, uh, what I have learned uh, and, and this sounds simplistic, but it's, it's true, is that all of us who are white cannot possibly understand what it's like to be black. Uh, it's, it's a different life, no matter how successful you've been. Um, and, you know, John Tom- I got to talk to John Thompson, thank goodness, who I'd known for years before he got sick last year. And he made, he made a, a great point. He said, why is it that white people always expect us to be grateful for the success that we created for ourselves in spite of dealing with racism. 
and they've all dealt with racism. They've all heard the N-word dating back to when they were kids. Um, and it's been a fascinating project because I've learned so much, and uh, I, I hope it'll be a, a really good book. I'm, I'm, I'm near the end right now. I'm almost done. Sounds very enlightening. I do remember many years ago when I was covering the Rams for a rinky-dink newspaper outside of Los Angeles, and nonetheless, uh, we did uh, give the Rams a lot of attention, and they had that big debate about whether to start James Harris, a strapping Marino-like quarterback who there could throw go. the rock 90 yards down the field, or Pat Hayden, a five foot six guy that looked like <laughs> Eddie Goodell behind the uh, Rams offensive line. And, uh, you know, everybody thought that that, and I would imagine uh, Harris would say this, that that largely centered around race, why he was a second stringer. Yeah, and, and Harris, uh, Harris is one of the guys I talked to at, at length. And uh, he was, of course, the first quarterback, uh, black quarterback, to have success as a starter because he did eventually become a starter uh, and took the Rams to the playoffs a couple of times. Um, but it, it, what he said was that Chuck Knox, the coach, always supported him, but he always had the sense that the guys upstairs – wanted someone, a white quarterback, to come in and take the job away from him. And uh, he had a great line. He said, when I was a kid growing up, if you dreamed of being a quarterback in the NFL, if you were black, uh, you'd wake up and realize you were having a nightmare. Now at least <laughs> guys can dream being a successful quarterback in the NFL. But as recently as three drafts ago, people were telling Lamar Jackson that he should change positions. Yep. Yes. Would they ever have said that about a white quarterback with the same skill set? I don't think so. No, it's uh, very true. Sounds like it's going to be a great piece of work, as is uh, everything that you put out there, including a good walk spoiled. And we thought of you immediately, uh, John Feinstein, uh, after uh, this Phil episode where, you know, you're looking at uh, Phil uh, Nicholson, who uh, and, and with the influx uh, and uh, influence of gambling, now you get a lot of really bad golf handicappers. And I tend to gravitate towards this uh, kind of stuff uh, to see what they're thinking. And the first thing I do is put a line through Phil, uh, who is usually uh, just wrongfully and woefully overbet when it comes to winning a major, which he hadn't done for many, many years. And sure enough, he goes off at like 200 to 1. Uh, it leads uh, pretty much wire to wire. He fell briefly out of the lead there after leading the first round uh, to Brooks Kepka on the first hole. But, but you know, the general wisdom was... Uh, John Feinstein, that uh, you would see them, uh, you know, maybe pairing Phil up with Bernhard Langer on some wide-open course in Naples, Florida that uh, yeah. won about 6,300 yards before you would see him winning a major uh, under treacherous conditions there with the wind blowing off the ocean and, and mowing down a huge field of the world's best golfers at almost 51. Yeah, no, it was remarkable, uh, no question about it. And you're right about the fact that uh, I, I think most people thought Phil's uh, – future and present uh, was on the the senior tour and in fact i think he won he won the first two senior events he entered last summer and one of them was was on a course where he shot like 25 under par for three rounds so that's a perfect description of <laughs> of senior tour golf um and he he probably he might have made more money betting on himself than uh than the the prize money because nobody loves you to imagine? bet more on the pga tour than phil mickelson um but this is an example of why the truly, truly greats, and I don't mean the very, very goods. I mean the truly great athletes pick a sport are, are, should never be counted out because no matter what they've accomplished, it's never enough. They want more. It would be very easy for Phil Mickelson just to go over to the senior tour and win eight times a year. 
and make plenty of money and get all the attention that, that, that he, he loves the way, again, most professional athletes do. But because he's who he is, because Tiger Woods is who he is two years ago at the Masters, um, they still want to beat the best. They still want to prove those who say they're done are wrong. Uh, they're driven by that. Uh, you go back to Jack Nicklaus winning the Masters in 1986, uh, a guy named Tom McAllister, who was working in Atlanta back then, uh, who was a friend of Nicholas's, had written a column at the start of the week saying, well, you know, Jack's been great, but uh, he's done. He's 46. He hasn't won anything for six years. And Nicholas kept the column on the refrigerator of the house he was staying in Augusta for the entire week. Wow. And looked at it every morning when he woke up. That's what these guys do. And, and they love hearing he can't do it anymore. It's like, it's, it's like in team sports where coaches are always telling their players, nobody thinks you can win. I, I still remember being in the University of North Carolina locker room in 2009 after they'd won the national championship, and, and the players were saying, well, nobody picked us to do this. Jeff, they were ranked number one the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> but Roy Williams, who's a Hall of Fame coach, was telling them, nobody thinks you can win, and then, of course, the kids bought in. And and that's that's the way great athletes are, and, and Mickelson – has been a great player. He's won 45 times on tour. Um, people will demean that number because Woods has won 82 times, which is ridiculous. Um, but, again, what he did was extraordinary because, as you said, it was a difficult golf course, lots of wind, really good players on, the, on that leaderboard with him. And when, when it got tight and it looked like he might spit the bit, he didn't. No, and we were saying, uh, you know, first of all, you're expecting Phil to go out there and uh, maybe look just short of an aging Arnie navigating his way around a couple of rounds in 86 at Augusta National. Not the year, but the score. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, would tend to think that he had to practice. I mean, are you aware? Because uh, you, you were on a tour there with the, you know, following the golfers there and probably picked up a lot about Phil uh, during your time there writing a good walk spoil. But, uh, did his parents have an excessive amount of shrubbery in their backyard? I mean, how is this guy always able to hit out of a thatch somehow, as yeah. if he had had the alien wedge, you know, and been given one by Jerry Pate? Yeah, no, his his uh, his short game has always been, uh, you know, he and Seve Ballesteros, they're the two greatest short game players ever. Woods, as great as he was, does not have the short game Mickelson has, but he's the greatest clutch putter ever. Uh, which is one reason why he won so often. But, um, yeah, Phil just has this unique ability, whether it's because he's right-handed and plays lefty, I don't know. But I, I went, he was already on tour when I was writing A Good Walk Spoiled. It shows you how long he's been around, because I, I researched A Good Walk Spoiled in 1993 and 94. And wow. he was out on tour. He was the young uh, stud, but he hadn't won a major yet. Um, and but he had this magical ability around the greens that set him apart from many of all the other players at that point. And it's interesting you bring Palmer up because this shows you how unique the, the sport of golf is. Arnold Palmer won his last major of seven when he was 34 years old. Mickelson was almost 34 when he won his first major. Huh. And, wow. you know, we know he broke Julius Boris's record for oldest guy to ever win a major. Uh, Boris was 48 when he won the PGA in 1968, 53 years ago. But the record that Boris broke had been held by old Tom Morris.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who was 46 when he won the British Open in 1867. <laughs> so we're talking 160 years of golf. And he's 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 the third guy to to hold this, this record. That alone is remarkable. Also remarkable uh, is that uh, I think I had tickets for that event, uh, but couldn't go. <laughs> I covered it. <laughs> yeah, the Wright brothers hadn't been around yet. So. Not only so, did I well, cover I... it, but my editor said I wrote too long. Going <laughs> <laughs> to shave a few inches off this one there, John. John Feinstein, our guest here. Uh, your differences aside, I was. Uh, asked to propose this question to you by uh, one of our listeners. Uh, your differences aside uh, with Dan Snyder, is it possible the Washington football team will be a surprise, uh, real, uh, you know, a strong, positive story this year, the Washington football team? Uh, could they be a good team this year? You know, I don't know. Uh, if you live here in D.C. like I do and you read the papers and you watch TV or listen to radio, they're going to go undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, media here, is, you know, my, my my friend Tony Kornheiser wrote a uh, a weekly column back in 1991, the last time they won the Super Bowl, and it was it was all about the bandwagon that he had started and that everybody was jumping on because the team was so good. They finished 17 and two, um, but uh, you know, you gotta look, you gotta keep it in perspective. They they won the division last year with a record of seven and nine. Uh, they played a weak schedule. And they they got very lucky in many ways. Uh, now that being said, uh, they'll play a stronger schedule this year. Uh, Ron Rivera is is being outfitted for his gold jacket here in Washington because they went seven and nine last year. Uh, but they should be again. A lot of it depends, as you guys know. What's the rest of the division going to be like? Will the Cowboys be better with a healthy Dak Prescott? Will the Eagles recover from what was an embarrassing season? I don't think the Giants are going to be any good until they find a, a real NFL quarterback. So, sure, they have a chance to be competitive. Uh, I think picking up Ryan Fitzpatrick was a good move because he's solid. He's not great, but he's solid uh, and, and one of the all-time good guys. You guys had him in Miami, so you know that. Yeah. Um, Terrific presence, but, yeah. Oh, God, he's just a, you know, there's a reason he went to Harvard. It, it, it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> uh, and his wife, too, by the way. Um, but, uh, I, I, sure, they have a chance to be good. Uh, and uh, the, But the bandwagon, there's a story in today's Washington Post about how great Fitzpatrick looked at the OTAs yesterday. <laughs> he's brilliant. We had that last that year. We had that last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just amazing, but but sure yeah. they have a chance to be competitive, and and you know and as far as Dan Snyder's concerned, when Alex Smith came to town a couple of years ago, I I had been working on on a book on playing quarterback in the NFL, and he was one of the guys that that uh, was very very involved, and we had lunch, and I said to him, look, I'm going to be honest with you, I hope you pass for 400 yards and four touchdowns every week, and the team goes 0 and 16. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, I forgot how much you dislike Dan Snyder. And I said, well, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and I wanted to ask you on that. I'm, uh, the natural broadcaster and writer you are, you transition right into it. But it's funny, 
We've seen it with these organizations, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Washington football team, where they'll struggle when their owner's right in the middle of things, and suddenly when their owner sort of goes away, it feels mm-hmm. like things sort of turn around. You're seeing that with the Knicks now. You've seen it with the Clippers the last few years. And yes, the record was 7-9, but they were really close to beating the eventual champion, Buccaneers, with a guy that most people had never heard of at quarterback. Your Washington football team, in spite of what you may think, has a lot of talent. And if they can get some quarterback play, maybe really interesting. And we don't hear anything from Snyder. What is the word there with Snyder? Has he sort of gone away? Has he really turned it over to the football people? Because you're not well, seeing him getting know, away that much there's anymore. There's been about a dozen times, Luby, when everybody said, oh, Snyder stepped out of the way, and then he can't resist, and he swoops back in. He actually, when Marty Schottenheimer coached here for one year, Schottenheimer didn't take the job until Snyder promised him that he'd stay out of the way. And <laughs> at the end of the year, Snyder came in and said, no, I can't do this anymore. You know, and, and Schottenheimer <laughs> left. And I, I remember talking to Steve Spurrier. Spurrier was here for two years, and, and I, I, we were talking several years later when he was a coach of South Carolina. And, uh, and I said something about Snyder. He says, oh, I, I got no problems with Danny. He paid me a hell of a lot of money to put up with all that blank. Um, so right now, right now, this is sort of like when George Steinbrenner got suspended by Major League Baseball and wasn't around to trade Derek Jeter and, and, and Mariano Rivera and Bernie Williams uh, and Jorge Posada for, 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 for older guys like he probably would have done. Snyder's hiding out because of this investigation into the organization and all the misogyny charges. Uh, and who knows if that'll ever end. I mean, you know, we were supposed to get a report like two months ago from this law firm that he hired, <laughs> by the way. Um, so he's more or less hiding out. And and once this, this investigation, whatever you call it, is complete, and the NFL comes out and says, oh, yes, there were some issues, but Mr. Snyder has pledged to do a better job mm-hmm. and shoves it under the rug, then he might start showing up again, especially if they're winning. Hopefully he won't show up at Luby's self-awareness courses that he's taken right now to try and straighten out. Well, he, he's Dan's not showing up at anything that has to do with self-awareness. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. John, always fascinating. And uh, just uh, terrific stuff, as always. Uh, best of luck with the book. Uh, the time can't go by fast enough for us to see uh, this book that you have on uh, sports and racism that's going to come out in six months. Sounds fascinating, as always. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, and I can't wait for the book to come out either because it means it'll be done. (laughs) (laughs) 18 months. What are you talking about? All right. Thanks so much, uh, John. It's always a pleasure. Good to talk to you. Cheers. And be safe, John. He's a lot. John Feinstein, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to ask him about this John Cena thing. Would you ever think that a professional wrestler making what could be perceived as a – imagine it's a professional wrestler makes a politically incorrect statement, perceived politically incorrect statement, And then, like a masked wrestler, has to be forced to his hands and knees to beg for forgiveness to salvage what little dignity he might have left. It's wrestling. Do people know what wrestling was built on? (laughs) McMahon! The Iron Sheik, hello. (laughs) I killed you and everybody in your country. Some of the prejudicial stuff that they took advantage of on purpose just to piss people off. (laughs) The Native American always, uh, you know, ended up uh, getting uh, literally scalped in a wrestling match. That wasn't politically incorrect. (laughs) Professional wrestling having to apologize for being politically incorrect is insane. Back with more in a moment. Now that, this is where I draw the line. It's over, man. It's a good line. I'll never discuss this again. 
And who knows uh, whether he was talking about the country or the professional wrestler. May she rest in peace, the lovely China. It's 8. Juice? I don't think so. It's 838. Just who is this kid we have in the pipes? That story in a moment. Hi, Jeff DeForest here for the great people at Deal Volkswagen. It's post time at the races. Are you looking for the perfect little filly to get you around town? Well, Deal Volkswagen has plenty of certified pre-owned vehicles. It's like getting a new car without paying the new car price. They're basically selling them wholesale to the public. And they all come with the trifecta, a clean Carfax vehicle history report, great mileage, and better prices. Jetta models, Passat models, and Tiguan models, all at great prices with Volkswagen-backed warranties. Check out their inventory online and see the great quality selection they have. Only showroom-quality vehicles and many with just one owner. Real cream puffs and new inventory arriving daily, so check often. Head down to their classic location at 3601 Bird Road, get in the winner's circle with a certified pre-owned vehicle, and you'll be saying it's all about the D-E-E-L. Carfax Vehicle History Reports are based only on information supplied to Carfax. Carfax does not have the complete history of every vehicle. If the Florida Panthers are able to work their way back into their opening round series with Tampa Bay by winning on the road tonight, the Cinderella story of the Stanley Cup chase will assuredly be Cats goalie Spencer Knight. After stopping the last 36 shots he faced in Monday's game, Knight catapulted himself from third-string rookie to postseason centerpiece in a game that made him an overnight sensation. Knight is certainly no stranger to success. Born and raised in Connecticut, the Panther netminder starred for two years at Boston College, where he converted his success as a freshman into a run at college's coveted Richter Award as a sophomore, winding up in the final three for that honor as the top goalie in college hockey. He then starred for the United States in the Junior World Championships, beating Canada in the gold medal game, and became the top goalie prospect in the 2019 NHL entry draft. The Panthers had never before invested a first-round pick in a goalie, but grabbed Knight with the 13th overall selection as he became the first goaltender chosen in that year's draft. He would debut for the Cats in April, beating Columbus 5-1, before going on to start and win three more games for the Panthers without a loss sitting behind Sergei Bobrovsky and Chris Drieger. Rarely, if ever, would a guy third on the depth chart be handed his first playoff start in an elimination game against the defending Stanley Cup champions while the two guys ahead of him were healthy. But when coach Joel Quenville pulled the trigger and put him in the pipes with the Cats down 3-1 in the series, it turned out to be a pure stroke of genius. The cool-tempered Knight gave up a goal on the very first shot he faced, but then turned in a performance worthy of any of the greats to spark the club to a series-saving 4-1 victory. With Bobrovsky and Drieger struggling in the series, you can't imagine Knight won't be back in the pipes again tonight. A win here would represent the biggest save he has ever made, as it would virtually save the Panthers' season. It's the kind of stuff of which legends are made, and one can only hope the storylines continue and that the theme of the clash with Tampa can be summarized in song, as in Spencer, oh, what a night. Jeff DeForest for the DeForest Files.
Jason Taylor, by the way, welcome to the show. Now we have to get Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor. Yeah. In Dallas. How is he not? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that, that ain't happening now. Uh-oh, got to go. You'd have, you'd have go. to buy the stadium. Can you make enough money in autographs? Buy the stadium. I can't, buy, I can't even buy a Coke at that stadium or Pepsi, whatever they sell over there. Jason, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Thanks guys. for stopping by. Jason Taylor with us here on Radio Row for Super Bowl 54. We'll be back with more in a moment. Now that. Wins. Oh, I tried to beat you to oh, it. Do it. I'm going to let you do it. Let him do okay. it. Okay, back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. There it is. <laughs> it's 9.31. You're going to get the there time. There you go. My bad. I forgot 9.31. The best way to kick off your day is with Defoe plus Luby. We now return to the Defoe Show. Maybe even sharper than his instincts for getting to the quarterback. While supposedly being an undersized guy, you would have been one of those guys that just lambasted the Dolphins picking him in the draft, no? What? Akron? Who the hell are the Zips? I can hear you in your uh, best Mel Kuyper channeling efforts. But uh, even better than his instincts for uh, getting to the quarterback, his radio instincts. Jason Taylor, very impressive, huh? And a great job as a color analyst on the radio broadcast, along with the great Joe Rose and, of course, Jimmy Cephalo of WIOD fame. And we'll see if uh, they have something to crow about this year with the Miami Dolphins. Very mysterious. Uh, we don't know what to make of it just quite yet, do we, Mike Luby Lubitz? Do they bounce off of that 10-6 and six last year? Or do they take a giant quantum leap forward with Tua Tagovailoa, making us forget about the great Danny Marino? We can never forget about you, Danny. I didn't mean to say that. That was politically incorrect on this show, was it not? That's like John Cena <laughs> talking about. Well, what the hell did Cena say that a pro wrestler would have to apologize for? Can you imagine? Maybe uh, next uh, they're going to strike down a statue of Dusty Rhodes in front of that uh, (laughs) Moose Lodge in Tampa. (laughs) Because he might have said something disparaging uh, about uh, the Iron Sheik. Well, what the heck is going on out there, uh, Luby? This is uh, big news, ABC Morning News. It's all they're talking about is how John Cena is on his uh, knees, literally. Did they put a mask on him while he went down on his knees begging for mercy? I have no idea. The whole thing's weird. That's interesting, too, uh, what uh, John Feinstein brought up. Because I remember that James Harris debate in Southern California, whether or not James Harris, who who looked every bit the part, I mean, this guy could throw the rock, should start for the Rams. or And this was around the time of that whole Al Campanis-Ted Koppel thing, too, where Campanis got himself in a huge jackpot, eventually would lose his job that he had for like 40 years. Most people said he didn't have a racist bone in his body, that he was a veritable branch Ricky when it came to this sort of thing. Almost a pioneer in the opposite direction, but he came across as a fool because, as I've often referenced, he saw Joe Frazier drop to the bottom of the pool in the Superstars competition and started out by saying, well, you know, these people or whatever, which is never a good place to begin, is it anymore, Luby? You don't want to say they or these people. A group of people as these people. It's like telling a woman that's stupid, right? And she looks at you and says, what? Stupid. You think I'm stupid? I'm not stupid, I'm smart. She goes Fredo on you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a big debate. James Harris or Pat Hayden. And Pat Hayden, who would have been an underdog in a wrestling match against Sky Low Low, ended up uh, as the starter, and everybody was screaming for James Harris. And you would have to think that the only reason he wasn't starting, and that was a great line he gave from James Harris, looking forward to that piece of work, uh, was that, uh, wow, if you were uh, born, uh, you know, black and you wanted to be a quarterback in the NFL, you had to start thinking about doing something else. And they really did hold this guy back. All right, we're coming back with more in a moment. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz, 940 wins, 1230 The Zone, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Straight ahead, 
Mike Mayo, the Gambling Gourmet, Coach Ronnie Rostein on the Heat's chances in the Milwaukee series, and Brian Mahoney on the NBA playoffs. That's all ahead in the 9 o'clock hour of the ALT Defo Show, brought to you by Altitude International and Even Keel Wednesday. And we'll return in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 8.51. There's no question, Michael Lubitz. You're a shot fighter already at 30-something. All right, uh, back with more in a moment. Now that. Start your day with a cup of Defo. We now return to the Defo Show. Welcome back to the show. Mike Mayo coming up to Gambling Gourmet. Always interesting and covered a lot of hockey during his time at the Sun Sentinel and then went on to the city desk, of course. So he was writing editorials and uh, later the food critic. Now with Let's Eat South Florida, that, that thing is amazing. I mean, that, that is just growing by leaps and bounds, over 42,000 subscribers. He, he's going to join us. Uh, no doubt we'll have a thought about the Spencer Knight. This is interesting, too, because we just heard the uh, promo there, uh, obviously uh, a Panther promo, uh, talking about how they now have all the momentum. It remains to be seen, does it not, uh, Mike Lubielubitz? Because these stories uh, can go in any number of directions, where uh, either uh, a star is born, Lady Gaga style, or, I mean, Tampa Bay is no slouch team. It's uh, not uh, also unfair to ask, I mean, what happens tonight if they win the thing, right? It's all over. So uh, we'll see. And then everybody will turn back around again and go, ah, wow, what a fool this was. What, what if this guy, uh, you know, gets uh, a little bit, uh, you know, out of sorts tonight, ends up giving four or five goals, gets yanked in the third period? <laughs> there goes that story right up in smoke. We hope that doesn't uh, turn out to be the case. We need the Panthers to uh, keep this thing alive and return to the BB&T Center for a home Game 7 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that is happening tonight. Tomorrow night, it's the Heat and the Bucks, And we'll talk to Ron Rostein in the 9 o'clock hour. Also, Brian Mahoney on the playoffs in general. Mike Mayo coming up in just a few minutes here on the ALT Defoe Show. Brought to you by Altitude International. 940 wins, 1230 the zone, and around the world on the iHeart Radio app. The Greek on 940 at 3 o'clock. Marlins baseball, 6 to end the night on both radio stations as the Marlins try once again to extinguish Sisyphus Syndrome and finally get back to 500. They're now two games behind that benchmark number, and they'll uh, send out to be determined on the mound tonight. That guy's been doing great. I mean, I think Mattingly has great confidence in TBD. Got to get some starters back. All right, back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 8.59. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.